welcome back to the show. Hello, everyone. Hello, David. Hi. Even though I've seen you for the last hour, probably. You gave me a ride here. <laughs> um, so uh, actually, it's a bit disingenuous to welcome you back to the show in earnest because we're here to tell you that we are taking the summer off of the show. Summer break 2019, they're calling it. <laughs> David and I do this on a relatively voluntary basis, and there's a lot going on, and and we want to record a bunch of interviews so that we can put out thoughtful episodes in the fall and further on than that. Yeah, it turns out when you uh, try to book interviews with people in the summer, they're less available than usual. <laughs> so we're sort of working around that reality as well. David, with that out of the way, mm-hmm. do the folks at Trave headquarters have anything else to offer to the people? We do indeed. We are embarking on the adventure of a new segment debuting today. This segment, which is going to come out separate from the regular Trafe episodes, is called In the Streets. Yeah, and it's pretty much just really short, one-off discussions with people involved in specific struggles, a lot more minimally edited than usual, maybe a bit more topical. And so for the first installment of In the Streets, we wanted to focus on a struggle that's been going on in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, So we're recording this on a Saturday, and yesterday was the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. And this coincided with a day of action called by queer anarchists in Hamilton, who have been experiencing police repression following Pride last week. And shout out to the folks in in Toronto, in Halifax, in Kingston, in Kitchener, in Montreal, uh, in St. Louis, and in Barcelona, and as well in Hamilton, who organized demos in solidarity. Yeah, I mean, in, in Hamilton, in addition to the big demonstration they had, a bunch of folks went to the mayor's house super early and, and woke him up with <laughs> weird free jazz music and put a bunch of signs on his lawn. And so we chatted with an anonymous queer anarchist based in Hamilton who's involved in the anarchist social space called The Tower. Yeah, we talked one day before the day of action, and they were able to give a really good overview of what's been happening there. Hope you enjoy. I just need to get a sense of sort of your audio level. Okay. Can you maybe just tell me a bit, like maybe what you had for breakfast or what the room you're in looks like or something? Yeah, I'm currently in the basement of the tower, looking around at our very sweet venue-like space that has its own little kitchenette bar, and it's got a lot of stuff for a free store for a barbecue we're having on Sunday. Some broken plexiglass that some fascists broke once upon a time. We've just been throwing in our basement and not throwing out yet. <laughs> so I was wondering if we could maybe start by just talking about what happened at Pride. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who have not read anything about this, who don't live in Hamilton, maybe you can just give us a recap of, of what went on this year. Yeah, so on June 15th in Hamilton, Ontario, it's like uh, an hour away from Toronto, there was the regular Hamilton Pride festivities. And unlike a lot of other places, there's actually no march in Hamilton. It's just kind of a, like, nice, family-friendly time in the park. People rent a, like, bandstand and then uh, just have performers. And for the past couple of years, this far-right, homophobic Christian group has been coming with signs to oppose Pride. They generally have this thing where they go around to all the prides in the area and just hold signs and say very, very vile things. They usually target a specific person with a megaphone and then just go off against them about everything from like their childhood and like speculate about like 
sexual violence and all these things and just say really, really vile, vile things. And so at Hamilton Pride this year, about eight of them showed up along with a supporter from the Wolves of Odin, some yellow vester, like video bloggers, and some other far-right unsavory people in order to hold signs and oppose Pride and say a bunch of homophobic shit. And so in response, probably about 100 to 150 people kind of came out of Pride and kind of met them before they could even make it anywhere close to Pride in the park. Some people had come prepared with a big, long banner that just kind of blocked their signs. It turned into a confrontation and basically an all-out brawl um, that went on for about 45 minutes. And there was no police around. There was just two security guards. A lot of people were, like, hit and injured in the fight. Uh, two people were hit in the face by this one guy, Chris Vanderweld, who had a helmet and smashed them in the face. But people were very, very defiant. There was a large crowd of people from Pride who just pushed them out of the park. All their signs, but two, were stolen from their hands and destroyed. All their GoPros and their cameras, but two, were destroyed. A number of them wound up leaving with injuries, it appears. And in general, the police did not do or say anything. The police had not been invited to Pride due to police targeting queer and trans communities and queer and trans people and the way in which people don't feel safe with the police around them. And they showed up about 45 minutes later just to escort the far right away from the park. And in escorting them away, they let them go and they wound up live stream chasing young trans kids and queer kids through the streets and attacking them, which was all pretty fucking despicable. So in response to that, when people were asking where the police had been during this whole brawl, uh, one of the officers just told a participant of Pride that they, they hadn't been invited to do a booth, so why would they show up? They're just here to stand and watch. Um, and since then, there's been a major uproar in the city uh, against this. There's been demonstrations, there's been rallies, there's been phone zaps, there's been lots of people going to city council and causing disruptions and coming up on Friday there's going to be a day of action uh, across North America in solidarity with people who've been charged. Yeah, and so can you maybe talk about the repression and the charges that were brought against folks? Yeah, so the police immediately came out saying that they were going to charge people after the public uproar around it. There's tons of video of it because the far-right people videotape everything. So they had videos of themselves attacking people. They were bragging about it on their Facebooks and stuff like that. So shortly after, there was an LGBTQ advisory committee meeting that happened at City Hall. City Hall has a bunch of advisory committees that consult the council on different issues. And so this was the one for the LGBTQ community. And they had previously asked the city not to raise the pride and trans flags due to the fact that they have been employing for about the past 10 years Mark Lemire, who was the former leader of the Heritage Front and a known white supremacist who's been organizing for probably the past 30 years in this area to promote anti-black racism, homophobia, and in general, promote a white ethno-state agenda. Um, So there was a meeting there. The community was very angry. Uh, The police chief showed up, and people went and spoke before the advisory committee and told them to get out. One of our friends spoke there. Cedar, they called out the police chief and said that they were actually the people inflicting a lot of violence, and it's not just the far right, it's also the police. 
And then by Friday of that week, a warrant had come out for a few people's arrest. They picked up Cedar at a rally against the far right who meet every Saturday at City Hall, the Yellow Vester specifically, and took them into custody on a parole violation. And they have two narratives right now. They have the public narrative, which is saying that Cedar was at Pride, and there has been statements and eyewitness accounts that have all said that Cedar wasn't actually there. And then they have the specific warrant that they issued to Cedar, which says that Cedar had their parole revoked for the inciting language that the police chief is claiming they made at this LGBTQ community meeting and advisory committee. And then since then, on Monday and Wednesday, two other people have been arrested. All three people were part of the LGBTQ community, and none of the far right had been arrested. As of yesterday, Chris Vanderweld, the guy who assaulted people with the helmets and in general was the most aggressive and violent person there that day, he has been arrested on two counts of assault with a weapon. Uh, and is currently sitting in Barton Jail waiting for a bail hearing sometime in the next two weeks. But even as all this continues, last night there was a city council meeting where the far-right politician with links to the mob, Sam Morella, made a bunch of statements that this was a premeditated thing by anti-fascists and queers, and that they instigated this and downplayed the dangerous nature of the far-right and try and blame pride for the violence that was inflicted upon them by these Christian far-right bigots. I mean, you know, I think we're seeing an increase in far-right attacks more brazenly, maybe more publicly against queer and trans folks right now. And at the same time, I'm also wondering how this fits into repression against radicals, specifically anarchists in Hamilton. I know that the parole violation that they're claiming happened for Cedar is a reference to a charge that they brought against Cedar for essentially handing out flyers for an anti-gentrification demonstration. Mm -hmm. um, and so do you sort of see this coming out of that context, or do you see it as something new? 100%. The police and the mayor have a PR strategy, which is to try and make 150 Pride participants appear as if they're all just like rioting anarchists associated with the Lock Street affair. And so they wanted to come out and say, oh, this is just a parole violation for Cedar. And the implication there being these people are just the same violent individuals that you didn't agree with last year. But it is actually blown up in their face because nobody's really accepting it. And basically, they just keep trying to put the blame on Pride and to express the fact that they were just hurt, that they weren't invited to Pride. But the thing that they don't seem to understand is that all those people who came out, like the 150 people, they haven't had a single witness or single victim come forward yet to do statements or support the pressing of charges against anybody. And that's because they have no trust in the community. They have burnt those bridges. They have entrenched their position of being antagonistic with the queer and trans community. But we've received so much loving support from folks in America and across Canada, and it's been really, really nice to see people who are sending pictures of graffiti, seeing pictures of people putting up posters and making posters for things, doing fundraisers, people calling rallies, calling events, doing stuff for the Day of Action. And it really, really, really makes people feel super supported here. And it's not just, like, explicitly political radicals and, like, anarchists participating in the struggle. It is actually the entire queer community in this city 
who's invested in this issue. And so a lot of these people are seeing the like love and respect that people are sending from afar and really feel like this is like a monumental moment in our speech history. And um, we're talking on a Thursday. And my understanding is that Cedar was incarcerated on Saturday. Is that right? Yes. And so since then, Cedar's been on a hunger strike, right? Uh, yes. Cedar, Cedar started off on a hunger strike. They have since canceled their hunger strike. Uh, and the reason for that is because they first believed that they were just wrongfully incarcerated for being at a thing that they weren't at. But now that it's actually a political speech that they're being accused of, they have since backed off from the hunger strike because the public pressure that's been happening on the outside has been so substantive that uh, it is generally pushing a lot of the narrative and a lot of the dialogue and a lot of city politicians and police and Crown's office to actually pay attention to this issue and act very much like they're walking on eggshells. If, if people are listening from a distance but want to help, like what is needed the most right now? Uh, we have a few things for folks to do from afar. Uh, in general, we're calling for people to do rallies, demonstrations, posters, hold a sign or something like that, you know, go to their local pride events, bring a banner that specifically addresses this and calls some solidarity with folks who are facing charges. And generally, the two demands we have is to drop all the charges against pride defenders and to immediately freeze Cedar. They're refusing Cedar access to talk to their lawyer. There has not been yet a full hearing, and it's been a week. Um, if people do anything or, like, see anything that is happening in their community or want to organize a simple action, take pictures, document it in some way, and just forward it on to the tower, either through social media or forward it on to North Shore, which is a counter-information website in the area. And both of those will kind of repost them, and we will kind of use that to show the broad support that this movement has against the police and specifically against the way in which the cops in the far right are like enacting violence on our communities. Um, another thing people can do is go to the Towers website. Uh, we are trying to do a little bit of fundraising just for legal costs and expenses related to Cedar's incarceration. So if people want to make a donation to the Tower with a memo or a comment that just says it's for legal funds, 100% of that will just get directed towards the legal defense of people who've been arrested defending pride, as well as supporting Cedar while they remain in custody. Um, is there anything else that you think that people need to know to understand the struggle or, or to participate in solidarity with the struggle? I think in general, people should just know that this is bullshit, that the police are specifically trying to target the queer and trans community. The fact that this is the roots of pride and this is the roots of our struggles as a community. They have always been against police because police have never actually kept us safe. They have always targeted us. They have always gone after us. And I think in general, we've seen both in Toronto, in Hamilton, the police have been banned for a couple of years from participating in the pride festivities. And there's a reason for that. It's because the police still target queer and trans people. They still target racialized people. They still target poor folks. And as long as the police exist, We'll always have to struggle against them. So pride always should be focused on an anti-police sentiment. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk. Um, again, encouraging anyone listening to go to the Tower website. And if you have the capacity to do what you can to support from afar. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks. So thanks for listening. Just a few updates and clarifications uh, since we recorded that interview. This past Friday, on the Day of Action, two more queer folks in Hamilton were arrested by the police in connection with defending Pride, uh, which brings the number up to five. 
And if after hearing that interview, you want to learn more, uh, the Towers Facebook page and North Shore Info, which I think was mentioned, both have statements coming out almost every day. We'll have a link to both of those in the show notes. There was also a brief mention in our conversation of the Lock Street Affair. Um, If you haven't heard of this before, the podcast from Embers did a great two-part episode about it. In in very brief, uh, in March 2018, there was a small anti-gentrification demonstration of about 30 people in Hamilton. A bunch of windows got broken. Eight people were arrested and charged in relation to the event afterwards. Some folks did some jail time, including Cedar. Uh, If you want to learn more about this, we'll have a link to the two-part from Ember's episode that deals with the Lock Street Affair in the show notes. Thanks again for listening.